Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Wolf of Wine. Welcome to a very special episode of Wine and Hip Hop. Today, we are on location in Champagne because for the longest time, when you think wine and hip hop, you think champagne and hip hop. So today, I'm at Piper Hotsick to link up with my dog, Emilian Boutier, winemaker here at Piper Hotsick, to talk about what it is and why it's so important. Holla. Emilian, man, thank you so much for having me here. I am extremely excited about this. I've always called you the Jermaine Dupree of winemaking, so I'm interested to see how it's all done, man. Um, but I, I know that the blend is incredibly important to champagne. I would love for you to just take me through and let me see how the, the wizard works. But you are here for that, so we're gonna <laughs> to, to travel uh into Champagne this afternoon in the vineyards and right now we are going to travel inside that world, my world, the winery of Piper Heidsick where you will be able to taste the different wines because as you say blends are key in Champagne and we have the opportunity to play with different grapes, different vintages to create the different Champagne we produce. So we are going to do that. Interestingly enough, the blend lies at the foundation of both arts. And just like DJ Cool Herc seamlessly blended those disco records to create hip hop, classic grape varieties that thrive in the region of Champagne come together to define the region and beverage that we know today as Champagne. In Champagne, we have three main varietals. There are varietals that you probably know, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Each of them are like one third of the, of the vineyard. And the last one you probably know a bit less because it's mainly in Champagne that you will find it. It's Meunier. So that are the three main varietals and we are going to test the three wines from each varietal from 2022. Going into my visit, I knew the main varietals in Champagne. However, I never thought about what each one contributed to the overall experience. So Chardonnay in Champagne, we like to say that Chardonnay will bring the freshness, the minerality, the citrus aromas. So Pinot Noir will bring more the power, the structure, the body, almost the, the backbone of a blend. So it's going push it forward. Yes, yeah. so that's why it's important. So on the nose, you have more like plume, uh, a touch of smokiness, of toastiness. Meunier, funny story, Meunier is kind of a, a descendant, a child of Pinot Noir. It got a mutation on the grapes and it becomes a Meunier. Meunier in Champagne will bring the gourmandise, we say in French, so the fruitiness, the generosity. On the nose, it's really that basket of fruit. Having listened to Emilian break down the varietals, I realized the comparisons were simple. Chardonnay was the melody, setting the tone for the freshness and acidity. Pinot Noir was the bass and the drums because it provided the structure. And Meunier was the vocals. What we do in Champagne is that we blend also, we blend grapes, just like we have seen, but we blend the last harvest with reservoirs. And that's kind of the key, because I can choose and adapt the selection of reservoirs according to the main harvest. So each year, I will look in, the, in my winery. <laughs> go through the deal, through the record crates. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes I need to go back, back, in back, 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 back songs, you know? to find the perfect connection between the main harvest, the last one, and what I need in the reservoirs. Sidebar, Champagne producers collect different varietals for different vintages for years. They don't know when they might need it, but they got it in the stash for when the time comes. 
this entire facility is just one big record crate. Champagne is generally non-vintage, but often winemakers taste through the years because that's where the hits live. And save wine that has characteristics that they think they'll need down the line. So a vintage wine, uh, vintage champagne, is made only from the grapes harvested in that vintage. For example, afterwards we will test the 2014 vintage, which means that 100% of the grapes inside the bottle are from 2014 vintage. But in most of the champagne, in cuvée brut, in rosé, for example, we blend grapes, but we also blend vintages. So in non-vintage champagne, you have one, uh, the, the, the biggest proportion is coming from one vintage. For paper, it's something like 70%, it's coming from the same vintage, and then you have 30% of reserve wines, which means that I blend and balance the main harvest with older wines that I keep in tank, in stainless steel tank, just like we have behind us. Some songs remind you of a time and some songs ultimately live forever. Neither is better than the other, it's just what you're in the mood for at the time. It's like sometimes it's appropriate to play Tone Loke, Funky Comedina, but when you know you need a classic, you go with P. Diddy's All About the Benjamins. How did it get sparkling? Come on, even the wine got that bling. What is any hip hop artist without the bling? One of the reasons champagne is so hip hop because it always brings that bling. What is champagne without the bubbles? What is an artist without the shines? So tell me, take me through that process of going from those three glasses to this one. So what happened is that we met the blends. We decided the blend together. Then we put the blend into the bottle. But before to close the bottle, we add a little bit of sugar and yeast. We close the bottle, not with the cork you all know, but with a cap, a crown cap. So the yeast will eat the sugar, just like during the first fermentation, and turn it into alcohol. We will just have one more degree of alcohol, but gas. And because the bottle is closed, the gas cannot go away. So the gas is trapped in the bottle, and that's kind of the burst of the bubble, the prise de bouche, we say in French. That's key because that's where a wine, still wine from Champagne, will become a Champagne, really, a sparkling wine from Champagne. But then what is also important is the time of aging. On lease, the dead yeast will remain inside the bottle and will keep the bottle like that for many, many months. In that case, for the first one, Cuvée Brut is three years. We let it rest with the lease because it will get aromas and also fine-tune the creaminess of the bubbles that you will feel in your glass. So that aging post-fermentation is key. So what we do is that we do the riddling, so turning basically the bottle slowly but surely to put all the yeast in the neck of the bottle. And then we have a, the last step of the process, which is called disgorgement. We remove the cap. <laughs> because of the pressure, the, the yeast go away. So we have a clear, bright wine, and we just fill the bottle because we lost some volume. So we fill it with a, a liquor uh, that will fill the bottle and adjust the level of sugar. Final cork, ready to be shipped to, to Brooklyn, to anywhere. <laughs> and then ready to be popped with some friends. Most champagne is white, even though two of the key grapes in the blend are actually black. Honestly, it's kind of like Eminem. When those tracks first dropped, nobody expected a white dude to rap with that level of skill. 
Now we have um, the regular boot. Why is this one white and why is this rosé? Like how, how does that actually happen? Because I know that in the maceration process, you're able to clear the, the color of the skin from other wines. So tell me about how this, how this process happens. So there is two ways of making rosé in Champagne. You can do it by maceration, which is called like rosé de saignée. So you harvest the black fruit, in that case like Pinot Noir and, and Meunier. You let it soak in the press, so you will have contact between the skins and the, and the juice. So the juice will get pink, then you press. You have a pink juice that you can turn into rosé. Or the other option is to blend. As we said before, we make white wine out of Pinot Noir, we make white wine out of money. So you can have the white part of the blend and the red part of the blend. And that's what we do here. So we have dedicated vineyard in order to make red wine, but very delicate, food forward red wine with no tannins, very fresh. And then we blend that red wine of Pinot Noir with some white Pinot Noir, some white money and some white Chardonnay to end up with that perfect color, perfect balance. Yo. This, this, I gotta say, I'm extremely blown away. I am much, much um, more better informed on champagne than I've ever been in my life, so thank you. <laughs> um, but like, I'd love to dial this back and um, go a little further and see like where it comes from. Are we able to check out the vineyards or anything? Of course, I mean, we spoke about winemaking and that's key, blendings are key in champagne, but I mean, there is no good champagne, there is no good wine without good grapes. So everything starts in the vineyard. So now it's time for you to go in the mud. Your foot's in the mud. All right, Emilia, we made it to the vineyards, man. Thank you so much for having me out here. This is, this is a different kind of beautiful, dude. Like, I could, I could really get used to this, you know? Also, seeing the terroir here for champagne just it brings a it brings a whole different realness to it man can you tell me about the terroir here in champagne and, and what makes it so special well for me terroir is two things first the soil and then the climate so regarding the soil and you can see it here that's white stone is shulk and shulk is key in champagne and that's true in every region and sub-region in champagne shulk make the terroir of Champagne is so unique. That brings minerality into Champagne. Mm. So that's key. And so it's here, like an actual mineral. Baby. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's shulk. I mean, the same yeah. you had at school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's real shulk. Yeah. And then next to the shulk, you have the, the ground, which is mainly clay here. So clay, shulk, in some other areas, you have some sand, but clay and shulk are key for the terroir and the soil of Champagne. Mm. Then the climate. We are in the north of Europe, in the north of Champagne, and we have two influences, oceanic influences and continental influences. So we have kind of a good balance between both that allow the grapes and the vineyards to grow slowly but surely and have the great ripeness that we need for sparkling champagne, sparkling wine. So here the grapes we have is Meunier. As you can see on the young leaf, it's white, just like the flower. Meunier in French is the name of the guy that extract the flower from the wheat. So that's why that grape is called Meunier. And the Meunier fits perfectly well to that land, to that terroir. Then you have some other terroir that fits more to Chardonnay, some other that fits more to Pinot Noir. So each single microclimate fits to one particular grape. And here is the kingdom of Meunier. Terroir is everything that makes a vineyard special. From the soil, to the rain, to the wind, the way the vineyards face, 
And today, of course, I forgot my stunt doubles. So my new J's got a chance to meet the terroir of champagne up close. But real talk, the terroir of champagne is like no other around the world. So, so what is biodiversity and, and how does that affect the, the actual grapes? Well, you can grow grapes and plant vineyards and leave it like that, just vineyards. But we believe that an entire ecosystem with, with some grass, with some trees, will bring back uh, insects, birds around the vineyards and each one has its role to play. Like the grass will push the roots to go deeper, for example. The trees and the edges we planted will bring back around the vineyard the birds that will kill the like the disease or the, the insect that can affect the vineyard. So we want to build an entire ecosystem that is self-sufficient, kind of, and that helps the vines to grow in a better condition and also to allow the terroir to maintain itself and renew it year after year, to be able to renew kind of the terroir, the soil for the next uh, year, the next generation of vine growers and the next generation of vines. Being in Champagne really changed my perspective on things, especially biodiversity. It's one thing to hear about it, but when you see it up close and personal, it's a whole different vibe. So with everything that's happening out here, what are some of the measures that you're taking to sustain quality wine production of the future? Well, we know that we are facing a climate change. Uh, the ripeness is higher and higher in Champagne. We harvest earlier and earlier. So we know that we need to adjust to that climate change and we also know that we need to change what we do in order to uh, limit our impact on the climate. So biodiversity is one of the key here. We are in the middle of the edges we planted this for these ones three years ago. Local species only, to bring back life around the vineyard, to connect through corridor the forest just in front of us to the vineyards. So thinking about here, where we are, global warming, where's your mind? What are you thinking about for the next, the next 10 vintages and how to attack that? Well, as we said also before in the vineyards, that to, do not, to remove the weeds by tilling the ground, push, for example, the roots deeper in the ground. That will allow the vines to be more sustainable to drought, for example, because they will find the water underground. It also increases the acidity of the wine and the grapes because that's proven. The more you go deep into the soil, the more you get that acidity, that freshness. So this is things we can implement here in the vineyards, also on the winemaking side to keep the freshness and keep the, uh, the aromatic profile of our champagne. So it's a sum of small little things that make big differences. How do you tell a quality DJ from anyone else? A quality DJ gotta know how to read the room, feel the vibe for what's going on. It's the same way a winemaker gotta get in the vineyards to judge what's happening from vintage to vintage. The DJ and Champagne is just one of the endless connections of wine and hip hop. And with Piper Heitzig being the world's most awarded Champagne house, I think they doing that. Hey gentlemen. My man, this hey. is exactly the perfect way to end the day. This is exactly what I did. I knew you were going up there for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always have a bottle in the vineyard. You just know, right just hanging in, in the back. Yeah. Makes sense. So mm. some Piper I take champagne to end it. Perfect way. And, and a magnum. In a magnum. Perfect size. Yeah, that means love. That means love. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. This is great. Well, 
I'm kind of blown away. Yeah, and mm -hmm. that's the way we connect vineyard and champagne. Uh, now this experience has been fire. When I first met Emilian, I knew that was the homie. I knew we connected, but it feels like being here, tasting champagne, experiencing the region, seeing the people is just giving me a whole different perspective on it. And not just the region. I didn't just learn more about the wine, but I feel like I'm a part of this now. So yeah, man, champagne, champagne is different.